Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. All right, I want you to turn to John chapter 1. Let's not reveal the title yet, um, Joanne, uh, until the end. We'll, we'll reveal the title. Uh, I'm going to read from uh, verse 1 through 5, then 10 through 12, then 14, uh, okay? So just follow along with me. It's, it's a foundation I'm laying, but I love this, this, these verses, so I'm going to read it to lead up to my point. All right, here it goes. In the beginning was the Word. Come on. And the Word was, God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him, Jesus, <clears throat> was life, and the life was the light of men. Now he's describing Jesus here. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's jump to verse 10. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Now jump down to verse 14. This is where I want to harp on. And the word became flesh. Someone say amen, somebody. And he dwelt among us, watch this, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten Son of the sorry begotten of the Father. Now I want you to say this with me: full of grace and truth. Let's read that last part again. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and He beheld, and we beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the topic that I'm going to be speaking on in the next couple of weeks, simply called Amazing Grace. Now, I say that because if you notice something, grace in our time has been preached differently than what the Bible meant grace was. Grace in our time, especially in the Western world, is mostly uh, to people that they, the grace is so vast and so good, which is true. Grace is so powerful that we almost have this lackadaisical approach to our walk with God because of grace. Well, the Bible says he's full of grace and truth. Remember last week what Enrique preached on? He preached on standing on truth. What are we going to do when these conversations come to us that are uncomfortable about certain types of lifestyle? The homosexual lifestyle, the fornicator, the witchcraft, the, the one that's doing, you know, uh, white magic but not black magic, whatever it is. One that is rebelling against their parents, whatever it is. Are you going to stand for truth in those conversations? Now watch this. The Bible says Jesus was full of grace and truth. So that means whenever you see grace, you see truth. Grace will never, ever compromise truth. True biblical grace is not a license to sin. True biblical grace will always uphold truth because he's full of grace and he's full of truth. And I looked up the word grace in the, in the, in the Greek, and, and it's not going to be up there. It's called pleiades, right? I don't know how to pronounce it, pleiades. And it means filled up to the maximum and covering every part, thoroughly permeating and completely lacking nothing. So that definition, full, if, if we say that definition, that means Jesus is filled with the maximum, permeating everything around him, lacking nothing of grace and truth. Now, if this is Jesus who we're supposed to serve, why is it that many Western Christians don't know, watch this, the biblical definition of grace? Now, most Christians, when they think of grace, they obviously think of the hymn, you know, Amazing Grace. But they think of this kind of soft, almost Almost passive kind of reality is grace. You know, it's uh, I'm saved by grace through faith. Thank God, right? And we do know that grace is unmerited favor. We know that that is a true definition of of of, of, um, of grace. Grace also liberates us from legalism. See, the, the the fear of the Lord liberates us from lawlessness. The grace of God liberates us from legalism. Now, watch this. The fear of the Lord delivers us from lawlessness. The grace of God delivers us from legalism. Now watch, watch, I'm getting somewhere. Because grace is that good, 
because it delivers us from legalism. What is grace? If people are trying to live right and they have, you know, and, and I'm not knocking these, these churches, but I mean, these churches that they try outward appearance to live holy. Or they try to have a checklist. Listen, holiness is not about uh, the checklist that you say that I can't do. It's about gazing on the beautiful one and then those other things are not even on the radar. When you fall in love with Jesus, that is holiness because all these other things are not in the radar. But why do I say that other definition of grace? Because grace is unmerited favor. It is giving you something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you something that you do deserve. So mercy is you're supposed to have judgment, but mercy says no. Mercy says that when you go 75 miles an hour in a 25 miles an hour zone and the cop pulls you over, mercy doesn't give it to you. Grace, however, grace is giving you something that you don't deserve. Watch this. Most Christians are stuck in that definition of grace, which is I'm free from legalism. I'm free. Listen, I don't have to be. That's too religious. There are people that they try to be holy by, by there's churches that say you're going to go to hell if women wear uh, pants. So, so they, they're identifying holiness by you, you need to wear long pants, right? And you, you need to have a hair bun. And I heard John Bevere say you could have long skirt and, and hair bun up to your eyeballs and still have a, a seducing spirit up to your eyeballs, right? Your, your dress, although we need to honor the Lord, right, your dress doesn't make you holy. See, your, your dress, even though we need to honor the Lord, your dressing, your, 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 the way you dress, super tight, hair bun, all the, whatever, it doesn't make you holy because you can still have a lying spirit and have, your, and have your everything not showing, right? But at the same time, watch this, because grace is so good, you need to hear me, because, this is where I'm going to this morning, because grace is actually that good, that frees us from legalism and gives us something that we don't deserve, right? Because it's that good, we have had approached a lackadaisical approach to grace, to the Lord, because we don't know the real definition of grace, and I'm going to show you the definition of grace. First of all, put that first slide. Grace will never compromise the truth of God's word. Grace, I'm talking about grace. Remember, grace frees us from legalism, right? Uh, I don't have to do that, that. We're under grace right now. We're not under law, and that's true, but that's not an excuse to live in your flesh. Now watch, I'm going to tell you and I'm going to shock you and I'm going to help you because I've learned now to, in my prayer time, invite grace. Even though God gives us, listen, have given us grace of salvation, we, the Bible says he gives more grace. Now wait a minute, if grace is just a one-time thing, why does the Bible in James says he gives more grace? But who does he give more grace to? The humble. God resists the proud but he gives more grace to the humble. That means if you walk in humility, he will release a greater measure of grace to you. But why would he do that? Oh, Why would God release? Is it just a goosebump? Is it more grace for you? Grace is a professor and a teacher. Grace is a professor and a teacher that empowers us to say no to ungodliness. Grace. Now watch this. That same grace that is frees us from legalism, that frees us from all the rigidity of the law and, and the rigidity of religious stuff, that same grace that gives us something that we don't deserve also is the greatest empowerment to live the Christian life. And every time you invite the grace of God, the true grace of God, it would lead you for, uh, sorry, closer to the truth, not away from the truth. How many Christians have you heard say, hey, we're under grace. I don't need to do that. I don't, I don't need to do that. You're right. You're not legalistically bound to it. But you are not inviting the full measure of the grace of God to help you live a victorious life. Why? I'll tell you this. I, I read, I read um, a quote years ago, and I, read, and I said it again by Mike Bickle, and there's a paraphrase. Watch this. This is a crazy quote on how people see grace. Look at this. Our culture, watch this, is inundated with a right to play. 
or a right to have pleasure. We have built in, we have a built-in, this is true, right for recreation, a built-in right for play, a built-in right for pleasure. And many people read the grace of God through the lens of freedom to play more. Whew. That's a deep statement. Because we have an inbuilt right to play, an inbuilt right for pleasure, put that slide up one more time, guys. Put that slide up, please. Many people read the grace of God through the lens of, I'm free to play more because it's the grace of God. When it's not, the freedom to play more and not, get, and not have consequences is actually the mercy of God. But because, we, because grace is so good, we see that, that we have a shortcut the true value of grace. Everybody say grace and truth. Wherever you see grace, you see truth. And wherever you see truth, you see grace. Grace always upholds truth, but is the empowerment to live the Christian life. Even Christians living in the Bible days, after the resurrection, not even a hundred years after Jesus resurrected, there were teachers mixing up the grace message even back in those days. Can I pause and say something? That is, there's a big split in the body of Christ over this topic. There's a big split. There's these people that are grace preachers and they, they actually have very good truth. But because there's so many facets of grace... They harp on the one facet that frees us from legalism, right? And so when we free ourselves from legalism, then we, we, they preach a message that almost you could do what you want. You don't have to really tithe and you don't have to do that. And all that to a degree is true. You don't have to do all that. But here's the thing. You're not going to reap all that either. If, if you don't, there's certain things that if you don't do, you're not going to reap. You may not go to hell for it, but you're just not going to reap it. If you, if, you are so, if you are living an unrighteous life and you're constantly going back and forth because you know God is good and you forgive. Listen, God is going to forgive you each time you come. But you're not going to reap great benefits of victory because you've opened the door wide to the enemy. So grace is not an empowerment to sin. Grace always points you back to truth. The grace message that's out there that says you don't have to do anything is a loosey-goosey, sloppy Grace. But Jesus was full of not sloppy grace. He was full of grace and truth. It's like they're married. Grace is married to truth. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. If grace is married to truth, then we got to know the truth. Right? Now watch this. Jude chapter 1. Come on. Say, hey, Jude. Don't be afraid. Come on. Say, take a sad song. Make you know, a, Jude chapter 1. Watch Everyone's like, yeah, that's spiritual. That's really good. Hey, Jude. Jude chapter 1, watch this. And back in Jude, and it wasn't even 100 years old yet, Christianity. And yet there was teachers like there are today that were twisting. Guys, you need to hear me. Don't, don't, don't. What I'm about to say is so important. Because this happened over 2,000 years ago, and I can't believe how relevant it is still today. They had no internet. They had very, they had a lot less options to sin than we do. Okay? A lot less options. Look at what Jude said. He was, he, he, Jude was an apostle, and he was saying this to the people. He was like, listen, I was about to tell you something, but I felt need. i got to tell you something else. Look what it says in the, in the NLT. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write you about the salvation we all share. So he was intending to talk about the grace that brings salvation. But watch what he said. He started noticing something about that community. That community was just... Very loosey-goosey with their mouth, all in the name of grace. Loose with their, with their uh, uh, fornication, all in the name of grace. Watch this. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm eagerly wanting to plan to write to you about the salvation we share. Watch this. But now I find that I must write about something different. Urging you to defend the faith. Say defend the faith. That God has entrusted once and for all time to his holy people. Watch this now. Watch this. Keep going to the next verse. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed in their way to your churches. Hmm. Some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying, watch this, that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. 
I did not say that. I did not say that. Wait, wait. So he's attaching grace to holiness. Why? Because it's not just freedom from legalism. It's not just grace that he gives us salvation. Listen to this. I had to write to you because there were some people that were coming into your churches, watch this, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, that was over 2,000 years ago, and we're dealing with this today in the body of Christ. We're dealing with this today that some have said that because grace is so vast and so good, we could continue having an unrestrained lifestyle because grace is so good. But grace, as you see, will never, ever be a tolerant for these things. It's actually the opposite. I want you to hear me now. Young people need to hear me now. This is the greatest secret that you could ever have. Start inviting the grace of God in your prayer times. Start inviting the grace of God through your tribulation. And when you say, I can't make it, invite the grace of God. Because watch this. I'm, gonna get, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Watch this. This is a, a powerful statement. The grace of God does not remove the obstacle or the trial that you're going through. It lessens the blow so that you can finish without b- being broken in the process. The grace of God doesn't eliminate your trial. It lessens the blow. And, it's, and, and it gives you, watch this, the strength to go through something. Oh, my God. This is an amazing truth because grace is a teacher. Everybody say grace is a teacher. Say grace is a teacher that teaches and empowers me to abstain from ungodliness and live with self-control. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've never heard that definition of grace. Wait a minute. I thought grace delivers me from legalism so I could be free. That I don't have to tithe. I don't have to dress all weird. That's grace. I'm not under the law. You're right. You're right. You can wear jeans. You're under grace. Yes, you don't have to tithe. You're under grace. But I want you to see something that everybody say, put that slide up. Grace is a teacher, please. Everybody say grace is a teacher. That teaches me to and empowers me to abstain from ungodliness. Now watch this, watch this. And live with self-control. Look, zoom in on me. I never saw grace as an ability to live self-control. I never saw that. But do you want me to read something that, that will shock you? Jude, sorry, Titus, not Jude. Titus chapter 2. Verse 11 in the NIV. NIV to me is the, be- the best for this particular uh, scripture. Now, how many are getting something this morning? Please hear me now. Because although we're saved by grace, we need to invite grace more often. And I want to tell you why. It, because it, it will empower you to live the Christian life, listen, not on your own. I'm going to repeat that. Not on your own. I'm going to give you supporting scripture so you know that every time someone cried out for something, God said, I'll give you grace. What? No, I want you to heal me. I'll give you grace, though. Because in the grace, I'm forming something in you. But I'm releasing grace so that you won't give up. But I'm not necessarily going to take that thorn away until my purpose is done in you. But grace is going to help you walk through it. For the grace of God. I say grace of God. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now, he's talking about grace, right? Watch this. Keep going. Next verse. It teaches. Everybody say, it teaches. Wait, wait. Grace is a teacher. It teaches us to say no. (laughs) Wait a minute. What teaches us to say no? To ungodliness. Grace. Watch this. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Watch this. And to live self-controlled. Upright and godly lives in this present age. What you don't know is that it's not your power getting you through things. Your your willpower is good. Your desire is good. But you don't know that even though you don't feel it, his grace is pushing you through so you won't fall. His His grace is manifesting in your life so that you won't go crazy up in here, up in here. When you're about to lose your mind <laughs> up in here, <laughs> the grace of God says, shh, 
It's the strength that you feel. It's the restraint that you feel. Coupled with the Holy Spirit, invite his grace. When I'm going through suffering lately and I'm in pain, God said, God, I need your grace. I'm serious. I said, I need your grace. When I'm about to do something foolish because of my pain, I say, God, I need your grace. And let me tell you something. I feel the Lord's restraint on me. Self-control. The problem with this generation of young people and even adults is that we're trying to serve God on our own strength. I got news for you. You were never meant to serve God in your own strength. You were never meant to serve God with your own willpower. Grace is an empowerment to say, God, I need your Holy Spirit, but I need your grace. Not just amazing grace, how uh, you know, sweet the sound. is I need your grace to do what you call me to do and abstain from ungodliness. Come on, say amen. Now watch this. This is a revelation. I want you to follow me because I'm going to give you a good Bible lesson today. I'm giving you filet mignon today. I've read what, this scripture that I'm about to read. If you know me well, I've read it, I've read it many times. But I'm going to give a different angle. I've never, I never saw it this way before. Listen to me, okay. Take notes. The other thing that grace teaches you if you invite, if us invite. That means you have to use your mouth, God forbid. Invite grace in your life. Okay, I'm serious. Every morning, I told this, every morning, you know what I do lately when I wake up because I'm studying the word and it's hitting me? I said, Lord, because I preached on the fear of the Lord about a month ago, right, and it shook everybody here, including myself. I wake up and I say, God, baptize me with a fresh dose of the fear of the Lord. Just, just a simple prayer. You, you'd be surprised what it does to your heart. You say, well, come on, I don't feel it. Just pray it and you'll start feeling more conviction. If you mean it from your heart, there's areas that you'll be more convicted where you didn't be convicted and it's the same thing. Right? And then I say, Lord, I invite your grace to get me through this. Because I can't do this on my own. Look how powerful grace is that it actually stops us, listen to me, can teach us to stay away from bitterness. Now, every time I say bitterness... You know that, that self-control that you're like, like uh, uh, someone says something to you, cut you off, offended you, and you're like, let me, let me, right? Part of that is meekness, that self-control. But watch this. What I'm learning is not, is not just one thing. It's usually coupled with certain dynamics of Scripture. Meekness, inviting grace, will stop you from having the propensity of getting offended and have bitter, bitterness. Watch this. Watch this. No, I'm going to prove in Scripture, and I'm going to shout for you if you don't shout with me. Hebrews chapter 12. Watch this, verse 14. Now, this is a very famous Scripture that I say, but listen. Every time I preach this Scripture, is always on holiness and the fear of the Lord. But I saw something different. Watch this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Okay, you guys know me. I, 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 this is one of my DNAs, calling people back to holiness. Right? But today... This is not the scripture I'm harping on, the verse. Look at the next sentence. Without which no one will see the Lord. Watch this, guys. Watch this. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So how can we fall short of the grace of God when we're taught in this Western world, that grace will never leave us. We'll never fall short. Well, listen, the Bible says we can fall short of the grace of God. And the result of falling short of the grace of God in our life, we succumb to greater realities of offense and bitterness and unforgiveness. We can succumb to a greater propensity to give in to that without realizing, watch this, this is key, the full benefit of the grace of God. If I, illustration time, if I gave you a car, brand new car, someone say amen. If I gave you a brand new car with all the bells and whistles, with, with the great engine, with a good AC and a really loud radio, a better radio than you had, right, watch this. It, it, and it has, what's that, satellite, Sirius, Sirius XL, whatever, that, right. And you didn't have that before. Watch this, watch this, watch this. This is what falling short means. If I give you a brand new car with a powerful engine, brand new tires, and all you do is turn on the radio mm -mm, and turn on the AC and enjoy that radio, and you're, you're thinking, this is it. My God, look at this radio. It is so much more better than my old radio. I didn't have surround sound. I have surround sound here. I didn't have satellite, whatever. I have satellite here. Oh, look at the AC, how powerful it was. Yes, that's all powerful. But most Christians are only benefiting from that, the spiritual air conditioning. 
and the spiritual radio, which is the freedom from legalism. But if you never turn it on, you, ne- you fall short of the gift that I've given you. If, if you don't actually turn it on and take it for a ride and you experience the full, you get the AC, you get the radio, you get the tires, and you drive faster. You, you don't only get a couple of facets of the car. What is falling short is when you and I fail to receive or understand or, or, or see in scriptures the full measure of the grace of God that God grace has offered to you much more than just freedom from legalism. Everybody say truth, power is coupled with grace. I looked up a couple definitions of grace biblically, and I want you to see what it says. Listen to me. Watch this. Are you getting something? Watch this. Watch this now. Biblical, it's not going to be up there. Unmerited favor. So that's, that's true. How many believe grace is unmerited favor? All right. God uh, giving humanity something that we don't deserve. Now watch these next two definitions of, of grace. Exerting God's holy influence upon souls, the power to turn people to Christ, grace. The power to turn people to Christ. To keep, watch this, and preserve people in the ways of the Lord, grace. To strengthen and increase people in their Christian faith. And lastly, the divine empowerment or influence upon the heart to enable someone in all aspects of life. So where do you think we're missing it? It's in the empowerment part. We're missing the grace of God to live victorious lives and not stumble each week, barely making it just each week because we don't know the full power of grace. So when the Bible says falling short of the grace of God, lest you succumb to bitterness, It has to do with us not accepting the fullness in our lives or applying it in our lives. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Grace is the divine empowerment. Put that scripture up there, I mean that slide up there. By God to help us live the Christian life. Grace is the divine empowerment by God to help us live the Christian life. I have news for some of you. You're going to be, the reason why some of you are frustrated is because you don't know this side of grace. I'm going to say something in just a few minutes that it's, uh, I think is going to be eye-opening, especially for me. But I want to give you a statistic about this grace, what I'm talking about. In 2010, I believe, or 2012, somewhere around there, so it was about 10 years ago, there was a survey of 5,000 Christians. There was an actual survey of about 5,000 Christians um, in some sort of ministry. And they interviewed these Christians. And they said, what is your definition of grace? 98%, I'm just reading from this. 98% of these Christians said grace is unmerited favor and giving us something that we don't deserve. Right? And that's true. Only 2% labeled or defined grace as an empowerment to live the Christian life. Only 2%, right? And so why do I say this is because whatever definition you have of grace, it should be a definition that leads you and I to engage with God in a more concentrated way. That was good right there. In a more concentrated way. Listen. And this is why I say this, because I said this before, but I'm going to say it again. And this is where I'm going to land. Is that the same grace that saved you years ago is the same grace that's actually keeping you. And if you lean on his grace, you realize that you don't have to do this on your own. Your, Your Christian life is not how strong your willpower is. That's not how it is. It's the same, put that up. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that keeps you. Now, now listen, I want you to see this because the famous story of Paul, and, and maybe the, the team can put up there the NLT version of 2 Corinthians. I'm not going to read it all, but you guys know the story, all right? The story is Paul the apostle comes to God. Listen to me. How many of you have come to God and said, Lord, this is hard. God, I don't, I don't, want, I don't know if I can make it. How many of you have said, God, I don't need you to take this away from me. Some of you said, take this person away from me, you know? Someone like, Lord, rebuke this person. Let them get fired. And then, it, no, that's not what we pray. That's not how you do things, right? That's like witchcraft prayers. <laughs> right? But I discern in my spirit that she needs to get fired. No, I discern you need to humble yourself, get some Christ-like character, and God is putting her in your heart, in your life, so you could walk that out. 
Paul the apostle, watch this, begged God, begged God, begged. The Bible says begged. In the Greek, beg is beg. If anyone should have answered, been answered their prayer, it would be Apostle Paul. Why? Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul went to the third heavens, and the Bible says he saw stuff that he cannot share to us. I mean, he was pretty spiritual. He begged God, remove the thorn on my side. Whatever that was, we could, we could speculate whether it's an affliction, whether it's a relational problem, whether it's an uh, uh, actual demonic spirit, just kind of, tor- whatever it is. The Bible says, it was sent to me to torment me, watch this, to keep me humble. That's what, read it. Paul the apostle says, a thorn on my side was sent by Satan to keep me humble. Ooh, I don't want to get to that point. To keep me humble because of all the, re- he said, because of all the revelations I got. He goes, I beg God three times. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And each time he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you know what the NLT says? Watch this, put it up there. The NLT in 2 Corinthians says, my grace is all you need. New King James says, my grace is sufficient. But NLT says, here's the clue. You don't need any other supplement. You don't need anything else to get you through this. My grace is all you need. So why are you not calling on my grace? Why is it that we just say grace for dinner time and not realize that grace is a person? He's filled with grace and truth. Grace is a person. He's filled with grace and truth. Listen, listen I, 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 hear, I heard this yesterday when I was studying, and I want this slide to, to, to do this, because grace empowers us in three different ways. You're going to get touched by this. Grace empowers us. Look at this. This is powerful. Everybody say empowers. Grace empowers me and you in one of three ways. I want you to see this. You can take a picture. The first thing that grace does to empower us, look at it. Put that up there. Grace provides strength to be delivered from something. Listen to this. Grace provides strength to be delivered from something. It could be a situation that you're in. It doesn't have to be demonic spirits, right? But it could be a situation that you're in and the power of his spirit because his spirit is filled with grace and truth. You invite the grace of God into that circumstance, and that circumstance, although it would be hurtful, listen to you, a family issue, it could deliver you from something that was meant to harm you. That's the grace of God, right? Now listen to the second one. The third one is really touch, touch me, but then, and I got this from the Lord. Number two, grace provides strength, watch this, to move us through something. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It didn't say because I'm David, I was exempt from the valley. He didn't say, it didn't say because I'm David, the key psalmist of Israel, there was no valley for me, but there was valley for everybody else. He says, no, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why do I fear no evil? Because the power of grace gets you through it. Some of you are like, I don't know how I got through it. I got news for you. If you just yield and surrender to the Lord and say, whatever it is I have to yield to, I'm going to stop fighting, then God will lessen the blow and he will give you strength to go through something. I prophesy to you, some of you are going through something right now that is difficult. Invite God's grace in that situation. I'm talking about, I know it seems foolish and I know it seems simple. But say, God, simple. Lord, I invite your grace in this situation because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do anymore. I invite your grace. And his grace, it can't be seen. But sometimes you see the result of it. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit this ministry because my pain was so bad. But I would get up and somehow eh, I could make it today. The pain got a little bit less, just enough so I could preach. That's grace. How much more for your temptations? How much more for your trials? How much more for the things that the enemy is saying, come over here, come over here. God says, watch. He teaches you, according to Titus, to say no. Come on, say no. He's a teacher. 
You know what that, that teaching means? It's the voice of conviction inside of you. That's grace. Watch this. Grace is the voice, the greater the amount of grace that you allow in your life, the greater the level of conviction of the voice will be. When you want to, when you want to wild out, that voice says, don't do it. You know what it is for me sometimes when I'm just, just doing some stuff and I'm like, oh, I just don't know. God is not answering my prayers. There'll be times where I've been in situations that are not healthy. And you know what happened? I'm just, I'm just going to have that language. My heart starts pumping faster. I'm like, I shouldn't be around. I shouldn't be around these people. God is going like, this is not healthy. Literally, I feel, feel like, like if you stay, if you stay here, you're going to compromise. The Holy Spirit knows before I know. That's grace. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. Grace is gets you through something. You're still standing because of grace. Come on. Now watch this. This really hit me. Look at the third thing that grace does. The third thing that grace does, it provides strength to be changed in the midst of something. I feel like running around the church here today. Grace strengthens you and I. It got quiet because you know I'm talking to you now. To be changed in the midst of something. What if God doesn't want to change the circumstance and he wants to change you? What if, what if we're praying for the circumstance to change, but grace is actually changing you and he's, called, and he's using the circumstance to change you? Come on. I've become more humble because of my situation, and it's all by grace. I've become more empathetic, empathy for those who are hurting when in the past, in the name of Jesus, be gone in Jesus, amen, go. No, now I'm taking time and listening to them. Why? Why? Because I've gone through something. Grace will change you if you let it to look more like God instead of you praying to change the situation. Grace is used to change you. We're spending all of our time, and, and, and I can see the Apostle Paul saying, come on, change the situation. And I'm just, I'm just paraphrasing. God's like, my grace is all you need. But what he was really saying is, I'm trying to change you, Paul. I know you're this great man, but, but I need, you need some humility. Grace. Grace, how many old, old folks? God's grace, grace that can pardon and cleanse within. Come on, young people don't know it. Grace, grace, God's grace. Y'all the hymns. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Young people, you need to get a hold of those old hymns now. <laughs> the young people are like, "What is it that you? What is it that you said you said when you were when you were in the choir?" He, he told me he was in a Spanish choir, and when he didn't know what to say, what'd you say? Um, strawberry French. Strawberry French fries. <laughs> he was in a Spanish choir. He didn't know what to say. He's like, "Strawberry French fries." That's what, that's what the young people were saying when we we're seeing God's grace. They're like, "Strawberry French fries." <laughs> say, say God's grace changes me. Say God is trying to change me without me even knowing it. And he's using my circumstances to do it. That is called grace. Watch this. He knows you better than yourself so by his grace, you're fighting to change something that he's trying to change you. Many Christians, watch this, I'm, gonna, I'm coming to a close. We don't know, we come, we come to this belief that we're trained to say, we found, I found Jesus as if Jesus was lost. I, I, I found, you know, five years ago I found Jesus, but the news is he was never lost. He was right there next to you and he opened your eyes so you could see your need for him. That's grace. That's grace. Jesus was never lost. Jesus found you, listen, and made you open your eyes to see your need for him. 
That's grace. When your eyes were open, I got news for you. It's because God wanted your eyes to be open. Because he was wooing you the whole time through family and friends and preachers and, 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 and family members. And all of a sudden you hear the word of the Lord and you get convicted and you get saved. And you get saved. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to love God like we love God. He, God could have made us say, you're my puppet and I'm the master. But we get to love God. We get to love God. My God, th that's great. God said, I want this to happen. I want my people to love me. I, I, I allow that. I allow that. We, we take it for granted. Oh, I love you, God. We could have been created like, like you don't have any capacity to love God. You're just the puppet. I'm God. I'm the master. You do what I say. No, I'm going to give them a free will. I'm going to give them choices. And I'm going to cause them to love me. Watch this. And I, the creator of the world, I am going to love them. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up running after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. He pursues you when you're too weak to pursue him. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Listen, when a, when a parent and a child are crossing the street, young people, listen to me, and there's, there's cars going this way and that way, listen, and they, and they cross the street, it's not the child's strength in the hand to hold the parent that gets them across the street and gets them saved. It's not the, child, it's not the parent depending on the child to hold their hand to get them to safety. It's the parent's job to hold their hand to make sure that they get it. Why? Because we're too weak to hold God's hands in our own strength. We're too weak. Our will is too weak. It's him that's holding on to us. That's grace. That's amazing grace. And you know what the Bible says? That no one could snatch God, us out of God's hands. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. It's not, listen, put this up there. It's not us holding on to him. It's him holding on to us. John chapter 10. Oh, this is good. I want the, I want the worship team to come up here. This is so good. I want you to be free this morning, not only from legalism, but from working so hard to try to prove to God that you're serving him. Invite God's grace in your life to change you, to help you have strength to go through that thing. I tell you, your, your perspective will be different. If you invite God's grace, look at John chapter 10, verse 27. I'm coming to a close. My sheep, listen to my voice. If you're there, say amen. This is an NLT. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Listen to me, guys. Listen to me. No one can snatch them away from me. You're trying in your own strength. You're trying in your own strength. I keep falling. Pastor George, I keep listening to this music. Or, or a friend of mine, I don't know what to do. No one can snatch them out of my hand. For my Father has given them to me. And he is more powerful than anyone else. Say this with me. No one can snatch them from my father's hands. For the father and I are one. Say this with me. No one can snatch me from my father's hands. That's grace. That's grace. I said that's grace. And what I'm about to say... I could honestly say I have lived what I'm about to say. I've honestly, I didn't have language for it. How many, like, like I wonder if this is the Bible, you know. How many of us have been too weak to, to, search, to search for God, but we still love God? Come on, let's be honest. We get, we get too weak to, to search after God, but we have his word in us. And we're like, oh, these trials, this affliction, this marriage, this wayward son, this... There's worldly temptations. I love you, God, but watch this, watch this. This is where grace comes in. I want you to see this. Because if you're stuck in I, I'm going to do it. Or I'm going to read five chapters. You're never going to do it. I, I'm going to make it. You get to the point where, watch this. Inviting God's grace means you have become totally dependent and surrendered. Watch this. I found something in Scripture that I didn't know was there. When you're weak... And you said, I, 
I can't seek you. I'm not, I, I don't have the desire. I don't want to read your word today. Watch this. This almost seems blasphemous. David said, I need you to seek me. Not worship me. I need you to seek me. I need you to pursue me. Because I can't do it. I don't feel like it right now. I'm too tired. I have your word in me though. But I need your grace. Because I can't seek you. Grace seeks us when we don't want to seek the Lord. Are you ready for this? Very last verse in Psalm 119. Very last verse. Look what the Bible says. I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me. I have not forgotten your commandments. In other words, I still love you. I'm not a backslider yet. I still, I still love you. I'm just going through it. Whew. I'm tired. Come seek me. Why would David say, come seek me, if he didn't have a revelation of grace? He would have said, okay, well, I guess this is just my thing. No. He said, I need your grace because in my own strength right now, I don't want to read your word. Right now, I don't want to live holy. Right now, I want to curse people out. Come and find me. You know the end of that story? He was found. God met him sometimes through the voice. Sometimes it's a still small voice. That's the grace of God. Sometimes it's an actual feeling in the power of God that you feel. Sometimes is a phone call that you thought was closed. Sometimes, it's happened to me, sometimes it's a relationship that has been closed for four or five years and all of a sudden said, I want to meet you. And we reconcile. I didn't do that. But I was in a, my heart was in a rightful position that in time, God opened those doors so that I could get through. But it's leaning, leaning, not I'm going to do. It's I can't do it. And God says, let me take over from here. As long as you're honest with me, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to woo you with my goodness so that your heart could come alive again so you could seek me. Watch this. I'm almost done. Put that last slide up there. When we're too weak to go after God, he will seek us to bring him to himself. Someone say amen. Stop trying so hard to serve God on your own strength. And your own mental power. Come on, invite his grace in your life. I got news for you. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus on the cross. He was, it wasn't luck that made him stay alive after brutal whipping and blood gushing out. That to the normal person, that person would die. It wasn't happenstance. It was his love and his grace that had to be completed. Because you and I were on his mind. You and I were on his mind. Come on, you and I were on his mind. It's called grace. And I'll leave you with this. I've said this story before, but there's a lot of new people. And then we're going to pray for God's grace to empower you. If someone, listen, this is what grace really is. If, to liberate us, to empower us. If someone killed your brother, sister, or, or your son, or your daughter, and the law allowed you to do anything you wanted to do to that murderer, if you A, seek to kill that person that's called vengeance vengeance that means you he kills someone you kill him if you decide to press charges on that murderer and prosecute him to the limit of the law and he's in jail for the rest of his life that's called justice that's called justice but if you forgive that murderer and not only forgive that murderer you take him into your home and put him in the same room that your son died through that person's hands or your daughter died through that person's hands and adopt that person, that murderer, and if you let them have access to everything you have in your house, including the, the son that he murdered, that's called grace. That's grace because humanity put Jesus on the cross and now he said, not only do I forgive you, you're my sons and daughters. You're my kid. You're my son. You have the same clothes that he, you can have the same thing that my son had. Because Jesus says, as I have sent by the Father, I send you. 
Jesus wants us to invite his grace. And I feel by the Spirit that there's some people in here that you are going through something. And I got prophecy news for you. Keep walking. The purpose is not to change your circumstance. I'm here to prophesy to you. The circumstance may not change. When his grace is invited, you'll be able to go through it knowing that he's changing you in the process. Come on, everybody stand up. Come on, stand up. Come on. He's coming after you. I said he's coming after you. He's coming after you. Relinquish trying so hard. Relinquish trying so hard. Invite his grace, church. Invite the grace of God in your marriage. Invite the grace of God in your home. Invite the grace of God while you're going through this trial in this valley. Right now, I want every hand lifted. Because there are some of you that you can identify with what I just said. You love God, but you're too weak to serve him. It's okay to say, come after me. That's grace. Grace gives you the right to say, I'm too tired to seek you. Could you come seek me? And sometimes for me, it comes in the form of suddenlies. I'll be driving and I hear an old song and boom, it woos my heart back to the Lord. Or I'm listening to a sermon or listen to a worship, an old worship thing in my song and an old Jonathan Stockstill song comes on and it woos me. He's answering my prayers. His grace is all you need. I hear the Lord shouting from the rooftop, stop trying to live this Christian life just on good morals. Stop trying to do better and yield to the Spirit of God. Yield to the grace of God to get you through. And then you'll have real power. Because it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. And in that same chapter, He said, Shouts of grace. Grace to that mountain. You know what I see the Lord doing? He's shouting grace to your mountain. I see that. He's shouting grace to your mountain. That mountain may not move but you'll go through it with his strength. That situation may not go through. That thorn may not leave you, but you're going to be more Christ-like. When you yield to the presence of God, when you say, I can't do it, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Come on. Come on. Lift up your hands right now. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.